0: Don't you want devoted followers who leave their families for you, give their money to you, give their bodies to you, give up their lives for you, consider you God and will kill for you? Don't you want to become a cult leader? Hello, and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast where we also veer off of the serial killer path to delve into other topics within our beloved true crime community. This week's podcast will be on the Nexium cult. This cult was founded by Keith Ranieri, and after researching this, which was a rabbit hole so deep, I knew I wouldn't have time to uncover every stone. So I want to say that this story has a lot of players, so I'll do my best to keep the people organized. So let's get started with Keith. Keith Ranieri was born on August 26, 1960 in Brooklyn, New York. So let's get into some history for that time. In 1960, Italy hosted the Summer Olympics. These were the first games to be completely televised. 83 countries and over 5,000 athletes participated in 150 events. The Soviet Union, the United States and Italy won most of the gold medals. In preparation for the games, Italy restored portions of the Rome ruins and made it for a much more beautiful backdrop. John F. Kennedy won the presidential election, defeating Richard Nixon. Also in 1960, the United States sent over 3,500 soldiers over to fight in the Vietnam War to help support South Vietnam against the North, and against what Eisenhower called the domino effect, meaning the spread of communism. The U.S. sent a spy plane over to the Soviet Union, called the U-2, and the Soviet Union promptly shot it down. The U.S. of course denied that there had ever been a spy aircraft, but the Soviet Union produced parts of the wreckage, like, well, then what's this? There were food shortages in East Germany, forcing over 160,000 people to try to seek refuge in West Germany. This, of course prompted the Berlin Wall to be built. Chile experienced one of the most intense earthquakes on record actually creating a tsunami. In Sri Lanka they elected their first female prime minister. The Central African Republic gained its independence from France, And then the movie Psycho premieres, produced and directed by Alfred Hitchcock and was nominated for four Academy Awards. Keith Ranieri's parents were James Ranieri and Vera Oshipko. They married in 1955 in Manhattan, New York City. James Ranieri was a New York City advertising executive and he was successful. Vera was a ballroom dancing instructor. According to one source, James stated that Vera, quote, drank more than she should have, unquote. It also said that Keith himself described his own mother as an alcoholic. But interestingly, I found another article where James was interviewed and stated that Vera was not an alcoholic and, in fact, he indicated she was an excellent mother. When Keith was five years old, the family uprooted from Brooklyn and moved to Suffern, New York, which is kind of in the bottom eastern corner of the state, but not quite on the island of New York, New York. They wanted Keith to have access to a better education. At eight years old, James and Vera divorced. Keith received a Waldorf education, which is based on the educational philosophy of Rudolf Steiner. The school's approach to teaching was to develop the children's intellectual, artistic, and practical skills in an integrated and holistic manner. It's the cultivation of the child's imagination and creativity that is important. Teachers have a lot more say in what is developed in the curriculum. Some notable people that went to Steiner schools are Annie Lennox, Sandra Bullock, and Jennifer Aniston. Keith's father, James, spoke about he and Vera told Keith regularly, quote, how gifted and intelligent he was, unquote. Keith would later go on to say that, listening to his parents tell him that often enough, that a sort of switch went off in his mind. Keith would later describe that suddenly overnight, he thought of himself as like Jesus, and he was far superior to everyone, like he was sort of a deity. He said this light came into his mind, this moment, this epiphany went straight to his head. He then went on to a public middle school. And one day he was listening in on a conversation that a girl was having when she had given out some of her sister's personal information. She was gossiping her sister's business. Keith overheard it, then told her, quote, You know, it's like I have this little bottle of poison I can hold over your head. I just don't think your parents or your sister would be very happy if I told them, unquote. And supposedly, he would even call this girl on occasion and say, you know, little bottles, little bottles, and then hang up. Around 13 years old, Keith had a sort of epiphany where he was this enlightened being. He began relationships with many, many girls. And these girls would call his house, and Vera would overhear him telling the girls things like, you know, I love you. You're the special one. You're important. You are the only one in my life and I love you. Unquote. Only he was saying this to dozens of girls, nearly verbatim. And make no mistake, the girls loved every bit of it. Former female classmates actually spoke about Keith, saying he was bright, charismatic, handsome, though not terribly tall. But underneath that, he had a deep resentment for girls and women because he was regularly rejected by them after his charms wore off in his youth. He had a need to be adored and came off as arrogant and needed to prove how smart he was. One classmate named Tracy said, quote, his ego was through the roof. There were after-school times, I guess Keith was waiting to be picked up, and he was in his martial arts outfit, and would do all of his moves in front of others, trying to impress them. Unquote. And in the same breath, he was also described as a loner, for the most part, and wasn't really very popular in high school, nor did he really identify with any of the different social groups within school. But when classmates would interact with him, he would go on and on about how far superior he was at math than the rest of them. He wanted to be worshipped and envied and started becoming visibly pathological. It was around this time that Keith reportedly read Isaac Asimov's mind control themed book called Second Foundation. The book is the third in the Foundation series about, quote, the mule, who uses his ability to control emotions to conquer much of the galaxy, drawing, quote, vast swaths of planets into his union of worlds. Keith would later say that this book partially inspired his work with Nexium. Keith went to Rockland County Day School in Congress, New York, and graduated in 1978, two months shy of his 18th birthday. And that's all I could find about his childhood. So, I'm not actually super familiar with Rudolf Steiner and the Waldorf schools, but it is interesting to me. I'm going to look into it. Our current education system in the U.S., I think we can all agree, does need some serious revamping, in in my opinion at least. And under normal circumstances, with a normal child, and without having looked into all of the data, I'm sure this type of school is more engaging for children, and the education they receive must at least meet the state standards. So I don't really see a problem or see the harm there. What I do see is a child that already had a grandiose sense of himself being told how very special and unique and intelligent he was constantly. There was actually a study that came out of Ohio State University that suggested that constant and sometimes undue praise for every teeny accomplishment or non accomplishment could potentially give the child an overinflated ego that can have serious consequences both in childhood and later in life. This is the whole give a kid a trophy when he didn't earn it kind of mentality. Quote Research shows that narcissism is higher in Western. Than non Western countries and suggests that narcissism levels have been steadily increasing among Western youth over the past few decades. Unquote. And this was written in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. The study looked at the roots of narcissism. There is a theory called the social learning theory, and it suggests kids become narcissists when their parents overvalue them, tell them they are more deserving than others. Another is the psychoanalytic theory that suggests kids become narcissists when their parents withhold warmth, thus making kids have to seek approval elsewhere. But I didn't see any evidence of affection or attention being withheld from Keith. What I saw was a child who was constantly praised for how great he was, even perhaps when he didn't earn that praise. I also think that he was a narcissistic child, believing himself above his peers. I also see a child who wanted control, which could be perhaps from his parents' divorce, we don't know. Regardless, once he hit puberty and began truly seeking out girls using manipulation to get them to give him some level of validation that he needed himself. Perhaps he had some issues with his mother. It's hard to say because there really isn't much information about her or their relationship. So, in my opinion only, Keith was already narcissistic, showing signs of antisocial behavior from a young age. I don't see evidence of abuse or neglect, no physical or mental trauma. I couldn't find anything about his life to see if there might be any genetic inherited traits, but that is clearly not off the table. But let's get back into it. In 1982, Keith attended college and graduated from the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, or RPI, in Troy, New York, with just a 2.26 GPA. For those that might not be familiar, this is a very average sort of C to C-minus average score. And for someone who claimed to be speaking in full sentences at the age of one and who apparently taught himself college math and several computer languages by the time he was 13, that score doesn't really seem to match. While in college, he did major in physics, math, and biology. Keith then went on to work in computer programming and consulting. So as he began his career, he sort of nurtured this notion of, quote, unalloyed self-interest as a path to ethical behavior, unquote. He thought that most people took jobs they hated and made decisions they didn't believe in. He decided that a more, quote, ethical world would be comprised of people who knew and fully understood their own personal goals, Pursued them and made a life for themselves that way. Unquote. He favored, how do I describe it? Like aggressive, extreme individualism. Throughout the 1980s, Keith got involved with the company Amway, which is a multi-level marketing company. In other words, it's a pyramid scheme, right? So what is that exactly? The Oxford Dictionary definition is, quote, a form of investment in which each paying participant recruits two other participants, with returns being given to early participants using money contributed by the later ones. If you want to be a part of whatever business, you have to pay a fee or invest a certain amount of money. Then you go out and recruit others to join and they pay a fee or invest in whatever and then they go out and recruit. The money all trickles back up the pyramid. I hope that makes sense. Oh, and in most of the world, pyramid schemes are illegal. And not only was Keith fascinated with and involved in Amway. He was also curious about Scientology and neuro-linguistic programming, which is a pseudo-scientific approach to communication, personal development and psychotherapy. Neuro-linguistic programming, you know, its creators claim that there is a connection between neurological processes and language, along with behavioral patterns learned throughout life experiences. They believe that these can be changed to achieve specific goals. The creators claim that, sometimes in as little as a single session, they can treat problems like depression, phobias, the actual need to wear glasses, allergies, viruses like the common cold, and even learning disabilities and so on. So in 1984, 24-year-old Keith met 15-year-old Gina Melita in a theater group, and the relationship became sexual quickly. He was 24, she was 15. But once they split, Gina introduced him to her friend, also named Gina, Gina Hutchinson, who was also just 15 years old. Hutchinson's sister once caught Keith climbing through Gina's window and confronted him, knowing that one, him sneaking through the window was wrong, and two, he was way too old for her sister. His excuse was that Gina was, quote, a Buddhist goddess meant to be with him, unquote. Keith got into her head to the point that Gina dropped out of school to be with Keith, and, you know, he said he would tutor her. In 1988, Keith states he became a member of the Mega Society, having scored one of the highest scores amongst members of the group. The Mega Society is a high IQ society open to anyone who scores at the quote, one in a million level, unquote, on a test of general intelligence. But before anyone gets excited, this test has not been professionally designed or validated. Higher scores are subjective at best because there isn't sufficient evidence or numbers of test subjects to show normalized, standard statistics. And the Mega Society's test is specifically described as a non-standardized test. So, don't get too terribly excited that the Guinness Book of World Records actually identified Keith and a few others as the highest scoring members of this group. In the late 80s and 1990, Keith founded his own pyramid scheme, or I mean, you know, multi level marketing company that he called Consumers Byline Incorporated. It was based out of Albany, New York, and it promised lucrative commissions to old customers if they recruited new ones. He traveled the country extensively promoting discounts on groceries, and dishwashers, and even hotel stays and vacation packages, according to Forbes.com. He would facilitate seminars that thousands of people attended who were pumped and profit-hungry. One former employee of Keith's described him as a, quote, mythological figure, unquote. At this point, he and Gina were actually no longer together, although she still worked for his business as a computer programmer, and she went to college in Albany. At one of these seminars, Keith met Tony and who quickly rose through the ranks and became one of the top sellers of Consumers Byline, along with her husband. The couple had a young son. The inevitable affair ensued, and Tony moved herself and her son to Clifton Park to be near Keith, and then her marriage ended. She stated that he has a gift of making a person feel really special feel like they are really heard that they have his full and uninterruptible attention that they are special above regular people and you know so on so tony and keith dated for eight years and she even appeared in commercials for his business and tony wasn't the only one because at this point he had several women in his little inner circle that most sources refer to as his harem and they all knew that he was not faithful to any of them and they were fine with that. Now, of course, Gina was terribly jealous of Tony and the others, but one of the women was overheard saying, Gina doesn't own Keith's penis. Still, Keith was able to reel her back in, stating he had decided to become a celibate renunciate, denying himself sex and all other worldly attachments, and that was a big draw for Gina. Because, you see, Gina was a Buddhist expert by then, according to her sister Heidi, and she greatly admired monks, nuns, lamas such as the Dalai Lama, and Eastern philosophers. So in 1993, Consumers Byline went out of business after nearly half of the states in the U.S. investigated the company, New York being the state that actually filed a lawsuit against it stating that it was in fact a pyramid scheme. Three years later, Keith signed a consent order that barred him permanently from, quote, promoting, offering, Or granting participation in a chain distribution scheme, unquote, and he was slapped with a $40,000 fine. Did he learn? Nope. The next year, he created the National Health Network, which was a multi level seller of vitamins. Keith and Tony opened and operated a health products store, but it was during the late 1990s that Tony met Nancy Salzman. Nancy is a nurse and an educated trained practitioner of hypnotism as well as neuro linguistic programming which is again the psychological approach involving analyzing strategies used by successful people and applying them to reach your own personal goals there's there's a whole science to it so when the women met Tony told Nancy that she wanted some help with her boyfriend that Keith had grandiose ideas and his hours were becoming erratic. He was stating he only needed, you know, two to four hours of sleep, and he couldn't explain these absences sometimes and so on. Nancy replied, quote, Oh, that's easy. I can help you. He's a sociopath. Unquote. So, however it worked out, Nancy met with Keith four days later, and Tony said, quote, Nancy came out with the glazed eyes and gave me the, oh, you don't know who he is, and I was like, wow, there goes another one, unquote. Now, together, Keith and Nancy founded the Executive Success Program, or ESP, which was a personal development company that specialized in self-improvement. Just a few years later, it was rebranded under the name Nexium. But it's spelled NXIVM like like Roman numerals. Although Nancy had also lent Tony $50,000 for their business, Tony and Keith's health store went bust, which by the way, was solely in Tony's name. Keith took Nancy's side as court battles ensued. Tony and Keith split up, of course, and Keith started sending Tony these like weird random specific passages from John Milton's Paradise Lost and even drew a diagram that plotted her life and said she was, quote, in danger of careening down a pride barrier to a dream death line, unquote. So during this time, Keith was also sort of experimenting some of his ideas on altering the mind and thought patterns and so on, on Gina, who had begun working for Nexium, He used things like horror movies, past life regressions, street theater, art, and gaslighting, which is how people manipulate another person to get them to question their own sanity. He would also do strange things with her, such as setting her up with homosexual men to take her, quote, dirty dancing to work on her fears about intimacy, which of course all began with Keith, and this is all according to Gina's sister. Nexium is a self-described American multi-level marketing company, aka Pyramid Scheme, who offers personal and professional development seminars through its executive success program. There is a website directly connected to the Nexium name, but I don't believe that it's its official site. That appears to be shut down, though, don't hold me to that. It just wasn't immediately available when I was doing my research. Keith advertised Nexium as having its main emphasis on people experiencing more joy in their lives. And that's not a bad thing, right? During these seminars, students were to call Keith Vanguard and Nancy Prefect. Keith apparently chose the name Vanguard due to his favorite arcade game, in which the, you know, destruction of one's enemies increased one's own power. Keith stated that he and Nancy had these titles because Keith was the leader of the philosophical movement, and Nancy was his first student. They began recruiting for their, quote, company, and I'm using my huge air quotes here, and by the early 2000s, nearly 4,000 people had taken part in these seminars or classes. Even famous people were getting involved. Keith was interviewed by reporters on television. It quickly became a very big deal, including drawing the interests of the Seagram's heiresses, the daughter of... Of the former mexican president former surgeon general antonia novello and actress linda evans but apparently the actual training wasn't revealed until people signed a non-disclosure agreement that's right folks you want in you have to sign a non-disclosure okay so keith is now running along with nancy a new basically alleged pyramid scheme which is now widely and hugely successful, selling his ideas and recruiting others to recruit more people and so on. His ideas sound like, to me anyway, to be thought-altering and cult-like, and some of it even sounds exactly like Scientology because there's talks of suppressive people and so on. He also has a bunch of women that he keeps for himself who have sworn to not sleep with anyone else but him, He's fresh out of a relationship with Tony. He's still toying with Gina who he has strung along for years at this point. Okay. So Keith still messing with Gina. He was trying to quote swap out the first past life reincarnation where she was a Buddhist goddess to that of Simone de Beauvoir. So who is Simone? Well Simone was born in 1908 in Paris, France. She was a writer, an intellectual, a political activist, a feminist, social theorist and existentialist philosopher. Existentialism. Existentialism meaning a philosophical theory or approach which emphasizes the existence of the individual person as a free and responsible agent determining their own development through acts of their free will. There's a whole story to this woman, but very long story short, she was advocating lowering the age of sexual consent in France to just 12 years old. Gross. In October 2002, Gina was found dead from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound to her head on the grounds of a monastery in Woodstock, New York. Now, her sister states there were two rifles at the suicide scene, and she put the word suicide in quotations. Supposedly, when Keith found out, he stated that he was shocked and that he hadn't seen Gina in months, if not years, and that he might have been able to save her. Her sister states that's a lie, that he had seen Gina very recently. But Nexium was so successful that it began to expand out of New York into Seattle, Boston, several cities in Mexico, Anchorage, Alaska. Former members of this group stated that they began to see things like how meetings would begin with a very specific hand clap. They would then discuss things like the face of the universe or control, freedom, and surrender. Now, depending on what level you were within Nexium, you got to wear a different color scarf. They called people who created their own problems parasites who just wanted attention and suppressives who knew that Nexium was good but wanted to destroy it. These meetings would be intense. Okay. So according to a Forbes article, quote, after sleepless nights and 17 hour days of workshops, a 28 year old woman from a prominent Mexican family says she began to have hallucinations and had a mental breakdown at her hotel near Albany. She went to a hospital and required psychiatric treatment. Her psychiatrist says in the last three years he has treated two others who have taken these classes. One had a psychotic episode. And by the way, this story was not an uncommon one from my research. Another story is about 35 year old Kristen Snyder, who was an environmental consultant who apparently paid $7,000 to enroll in a 16-day personal development course in Anchorage, Alaska. Sources say the course was to be taught by Nancy Salzman herself. This was in November 2002. By January, she was telling her mother that she felt she was responsible for the Columbia shuttle disaster and a bunch of other random stuff. So she and her partner signed up for another 16day session, and on the 10th day, Kristen was threatening suicide. Her partner was told to not take her to the hospital. About two weeks later, Kristen was seen leaving a nexium seminar and then completely disappeared. She did leave a note that read, "You're gonna this is crazy guys, quote." I attended a course called Executive Success Programs, based out of Anchorage, Alaska in Albany, New York. I was brainwashed, and my emotional center of the brain was killed-slash-turned-off. I still have feeling in my external skin, but my internal organs are rotting. I am sorry, life. I didn't know I was already dead. May we persist into the future. No need to search for my body. Unquote. Yeah. It was then that Keith paid $24,000 to get the password to her email account. Needless to say, these things were not going unnoticed. Cult investigator Rick Allen Ross was able to get his hands on Nexium's handbook and published parts of it on his website. Ross had a psychiatrist evaluate the manual, and the report from that stated the regimen was, quote, expensive brainwashing, unquote. Nexium, of course, sued Ross, but it was later dismissed. In 2003, Forbes published a sort of expose on Nexium, which was not the positive affirmation the members of the group had thought it would be. One person interviewed flat out said that they thought it was a cult, and since his two daughters had joined the group, he hadn't been able to speak to them in months. Want to know why? Well, Keith. How do I say this? Keith had for years been envisioning for himself thousands of, quote, slaves. He began this inner circle with Nexium that he called DOS which is this whole thing, but loosely translated to mean master over slave women. As the master of this inner circle, Keith began preaching that men were inherently polyamorous, that there was a biological need for that, but that women were inherently monogamous, and that they needed to just accept that. Now, we already know that Keith had a harem of women. One even gave birth to his son in 2007. But these slaves were special to him, because according to multiple sources, Keith sexually preferred his women to be exceptionally thin. One ex-member stated in a court filing that most of the slaves were assigned to and expected to adhere to extreme, low-calorie diets, and they had to document everything they ate. They were assigned tasks, and if a slave didn't complete them, they were physically punished, either with a whip or a paddle. Keith even kicked one woman while she was down on the floor because she was acting, quote, prideful. And why did these women stay? Well, Keith would use his powers of persuasion and talk these mostly rich women, but women, into divulging their secrets and he would talk them into taking nude photos and whatever he had to do, and then use that as blackmail later to make them stay. So then I'm sure most of you remember the CW television show, Smallville about young Superman, right? So the girl that played Chloe Sullivan, she's an actress named Alison Mack. And she was on that show And after 10 seasons, in 2011, the show was canceled. She was now 28 years old and didn't have another role immediately presented to her. At some point, she met Keith and he began mentoring her, according to an interview that she gave Fine magazine. He told her that she should try going into theater and she did appear in a play called Red Velvet. Now, while on the outside, it appeared Keith was just sort of advising her to help her along with her life and career, which is nice, what he was really doing was bringing her into his inner circle of slaves. She was brought in, along with another actress by the name of Nikki Klein, and Nancy Salzman's own daughter testified that both actresses were married to each other in 2017 and had a sexual relationship with the leader. So, these women, these slaves, were required to get branded. Yes, branded. As in like cattle with a cauterizing pen. He would have them branded with a symbol for his name on their lower abdomen, just out of sight below the waistline of, say, jeans, like just right above the pubic area. At least this is where I saw the branding on a couple of women who showed their scars. Oh, and it gets worse. Nancy Salzman's daughter was helping recruit young women and stated that the group was in the beginning stages of building a dungeon in a basement of a, quote, sorority house owned by a Mexican media heiress, who was also one of the original DOS slaves. There were plans, apparently, to have a cage built down in this dungeon. Oh, and there was a DOS rule book as well. Some of the rules were things like, quote, Your sole highest desire must be to further your master from whom all good things come and are related. The best slave derives the highest pleasure from being her master's ultimate tool. It doesn't matter what the command is. It matters that you obey. It doesn't matter that you understand the command. It matters that you obey, unquote. And as a side note, there are people who think that this lifestyle is fantastic. So I'm not dogging on the lifestyle. I'm dogging on the fact that these women were unwilling participants after he got blackmail on them. That's what I'm saying. So Keith told Nancy's daughter that she should work toward having a hundred slaves under her supervision and that, now sit down for this, okay, they would work toward eventually electing a DOS candidate to public office. Nexium members then began donating nearly $30,000 to Hillary Clinton's first presidential campaign. So let that sink in. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but you know what I'm saying. So, some people began to complain to the Albany County District Attorney, as well as the Governor of New York and the New Jersey Attorney General, demanding a criminal investigation be opened. Then the, quote, Secret Sisterhood, unquote, aka DOS, information was beginning to emerge. TV specials sprang up on like A&E. The Times got involved. Needless to say, Keith fled to Mexico. In January 2018, there was a search warrant executed on Keith's email account. After that, an FBI agent filed a criminal complaint against Keith. My assumption is that FBI agent is the one that had to search his email. In March, Keith was found and arrested by Mexican authorities in this luxury villa. They actually interrupted this big, huge group sex thing. Keith was indicted on many charges, including sex trafficking, sex trafficking conspiracy, conspiracy to commit forced labor, forced labor conspiracy, wire fraud conspiracy, and possession of child pornography, sexual exploitation of a child, identity theft, conspiracy to alter records for use in an official proceeding, and on and on and on. He has been found guilty. Actress Allison Mack was arrested on charges of racketeering, recruiting women for sex slavery. She pled guilty, saying she is prepared to take full responsibility. She's looking at the most 40 years, but she's still waiting for her sentencing. Keith Ranieri's sentencing has been postponed out to May 21st of 2020 due to the coronavirus outbreak. He faces 15 years to life in prison, and I hope he gets life. So... I mean, what else is there to say? I don't think I need to break this down any further. Keith has been found guilty, so I'm safe to say that he's a horrible, horrible man. Being labeled a sociopath, I think, is most likely accurate, though the woman who said that wound up going into business with him.